What a great start to our Easter morning service. Welcome to Kensington for those of you that got here in the last few minutes. Um, this is where a risen Christ cries out and says, yes, dream on. Dream until your dreams come true. The empty tomb at Easter is really a reminder to every last one of us that Jesus Christ is offering to breathe life into those dreams of yours that have died and that haven't yet come true or maybe even wasted away. It's a message of hope. It's a message of courage and power and healing, and we're going to unwrap that message together today. And before we go any further, I just want to stop and pray and invite God to fill this place up with his presence. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the story of Easter that is literally being celebrated around the world today. Thank you for the sacrifice. Thank you for the joy that you bring to us. And Lord, in this moment, I invite you and ask you to not only fill this place with your presence, but to open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to the truth of the story of Easter. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to each one of us exactly what we need to hear from you today. In your holy name, amen. Well, our theme this year is Dream On. And I just got to ask, do you remember what it was like to dream when you were a kid? Do you remember just the dreams that you had? Um, it's like there was nothing wrong. The sky was the limit. There was no, no nothing squashing dreams when you're young. And so I want to ask you, what were some of the dreams that you had when you were young? And this is the way I want to do it to jog your memory. I want you to turn to somebody next to you, say hello, introduce yourself if you don't know them, and just share with them a dream or two that you had when you were a young person. So go ahead, let's do that for just a second. Go ahead and share right now. All right, all right, all right. I want to hear a couple of them. I want you to just yell it out loud. What were some of the dreams that you shared? Uh, Major League Baseball player here. Good. What else? Give me something from over this side of the room. A Disney princess. I like that. Uh, one more, one more from over here. Got anything? Riding a bear. Okay, I'll take that. And you're still young. You're still dreaming. Last, last service, a guy said, I dreamed that I could be a fire truck. He wanted to be a fire truck when he got older. I'm like, hey, man, never heard that before, but okay. Uh, but as I ask myself that question, um, you know, it's like when, we dream, when we're kids, we dream effortlessly. We dream vividly. Um, the very first big dream that I had, these men had come by our house, and they were helping people riding this big machinery. And when they came by our house, they were helping everybody at every single house. In fact, they were kind of like like superheroes because sometimes they would come by and you wouldn't see them, but you would realize and know that they had been there. Anybody know what my first big dream was, what I wanted to be? A garbage truck man, right? Wasn't my mom proud of me? Hey, mom, let me tell you what I want to be when I get older. Um, that was my very first dream. Uh, the next dream I remember was in eighth grade. I wanted to actually play football in the NFL. Um, I grew up in Texas, so we had the whole Friday night lights thing. Football was huge. And uh, then my freshman year, my dream of playing football in the NFL died a very quick, tragic death. Um, the guy whose locker was right above mine in uh, my freshman year, he was a senior. His name was Shane Drenette. He was actually six foot six, 270 pounds, went on to play for the University of Texas and then played 10 years in the NFL, winning a Super Bowl ring with the Atlanta Falcons. And I remember that very first day of school when I was at my locker and Shane Drenette walked up to the locker above mine, I realized two things about myself. One is I'm very puny. 
compared to that guy. I weighed about 100 pounds. And the second thing that I remember thinking in that moment was, was you know what? I don't ever want to see somebody like that running full speed at someone like this. Like, I'm out. I don't want to be a part of that. If that's what's on the field, I am not going to be on the field. And so I picked up a real man sport, golf. So, uh, but, I, you know, I still... I was still a dreamer. Um, in 11th grade, I had a dream of going out with the, the, the most popular girl in school. Her name was Kim Dakota. Found her name in the phone book, which actually, for you young kids, we actually used to have to look up phone numbers in a book with paper in it um, to find phone numbers. And uh, she actually had a teenager's line. And so I was able to call her directly. And I called her, and she actually answered. And I asked her out. I was a golfer. She was a high school Texas cheerleader captain. And believe it or not, she said yes. She said yes to me, which was awesome. And then I tried to follow up on that, and she never talked to me again. So there you go. Um, that, that dream died a very traumatic death. Um, I saw Top Gun. I wanted to be a fighter pilot. I, I enrolled to be in the ROTC at Texas A&M. I put on there that I had asthma. I didn't know that that would kick you out. They kicked me out. I should have lied. Um, you know, I, I dreamed of getting to the PGA Tour, and I had a great college golf career, and then got injured after college. That dream died. I could go on and on, as I'm sure many of you could. See, for many of us, the transition from child to adult, something happens to us, and we stop dreaming. We stop dreaming. And there's a number of reasons. Some of us, we get torn down, or our friends kind of taunt our dreams. Our life cripples them. Reality and the pressures of life get in the way. Some of us, we've been let down so much in our life that we've just realized it's better to not dream. Or maybe you've made some poor decisions along the way, and you feel disqualified from having big dreams. Well, here's what today is. Today's an invitation to dream a new dream. Today's an invitation to dream bigger than any dreams you and I will ever have on our own. It's the invitation to dream a God-sized dream for your life. That's what Easter is. It's, a, it's an invitation to ponder the question, what if there was a dream out there straight from the heart of God that was worth your whole life? And it's a dream that you were made for, that you were designed to fulfill if you would pursue it with your life. Because I just got to tell you, I believe that that is true for you and for me, and how you find that dream that God may have for you, that God does have for you, is with, it begins with the story of Jesus. Because it's a story where death leads to new life, and because sometimes it's the death of a dream that opens up the possibility of a new dream. So let's jump into the story of Easter, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And a little background, on Easter Sunday, 2,000 years ago, we find the disciples where we begin this story at the funeral of their dreams. Because the disciples had dreams too, they were just like you and me. They were at the funeral of their dreams. It was Jesus' 12 closest followers and other followers. They and the Israelite people dreamed of their nation being free from the occupancy of Rome. They had been occupied for 90 years. They had spent three years with Jesus. They thought he was going to change everything because he talked about a kingdom that he was going to bring, a reality where he would be king and, the, and he would have authority, a throne, an army, where he was the Messiah. They began to believe that he might be the Messiah. They had plans of ruling with him. Two of the disciples actually said, Jesus, when you come into your throne, can we sit on your right and left hand? Because we want to rule with you. This guy was the Messiah sent to set them free, talked about for hundreds of years in their scriptures. And then two days earlier, they watched their best friend, their leader, 
their hero and their dreams for Israel die a brutal, horrific, painful death. And they became utterly hopeless. Until on Easter Sunday, Jesus began to restore their dreams. And this Easter, we're going to look at this story through the eyes of two followers of Jesus who were clueless that Jesus is alive again on Easter Sunday morning. We're going to pick up the story in the book of Luke. It's one of the four gospels or four accounts of Jesus' life that start the New Testament. And the third one is Luke. And Luke writes in chapter 24, verse 13, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. And Jesus did um, uh, Jesus did what we kind of some of us want to do. You ever want to just disguise yourself and ask people what they really think about you and just let them talk? All right, maybe you don't. I don't want to do that. I really don't want to know. Please don't say anything. But Jesus did. He wanted to know. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? He's like, he looks at Jesus, who he doesn't know is Jesus. He's like, dude, has your, your head been buried in the sand? And I could say, see Jesus just kind of going, hmm, kind of? <laughs> Not fully, but yeah. What's wrong, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel, and what's more, it's the third day since all this took place. And what you see in these two disciples of Jesus is the death of a dream. And I don't know if you caught it, but even in verse 19, did you catch how they described him? They said, a prophet, just a prophet. Because their dream of him being the Messiah was gone. He didn't even have that dream anymore. And I'll just say this, maybe that's you um, right now. Truth be told, your life has not turned out like you dream it would, dreamed it would. Maybe even now in your life, you're actually experiencing the, the death of a dream as we speak. Maybe it was a marriage that you had dreams would be so different and better than it actually is right now. A career that you dreamed of taking off and, and it just hasn't gotten there. Or a relationship with your kids that you dreamed of being way better than it is. And a home that you've always dreamed of living in that you're having to sell right now. Or a relationship that you put your heart and soul into and it just, it just has fallen apart. Or maybe you have a dream of being married with children by now in your life. And for some reason and for whatever reason, it just hasn't happened yet. But you have dreams that have died or are currently dying. And when that happens, when something that we've worked for and, and tried for and so hard to see accomplished and we poured our hearts and souls into it and then that gets squashed, sometimes we don't know who we are anymore. We wrestle and we struggle. Or maybe the opposite has happened for you where you work hard for your dreams and you've achieved them, but it doesn't bring the fulfillment that you thought it was. And you realize it's just an empty dream. And you don't know where to go with that. See, what these two men don't know yet is that God still had a plan for their dreams. See, they were mourning a dream that was short-sighted and focused on themselves. Because they dreamed of themselves and Israel being saved. 
And that dream died with Jesus, but it was resurrected. When Jesus came back to life, Jesus resurrected a dream that was bigger than just Israel. Because God had done something that would save all of mankind. See, when you realize the power of the resurrection in your life through a relationship with Jesus, a whole universe of new dreams open up in your life. And so I'll just say this. This morning, I believe God wants to put some new dreams in your heart, dreams that are bigger than any dreams you've ever had, dreams that are grander than your own dreams. And why would I say that? Why can I say that? It's because so often our dreams are just like the disciples. They're too small, and they're all self-focused dreams that are all about ourselves. You see, they wanted a kingdom for themselves and their people. But Jesus took that small dream, and he reclaimed it, he reframed it, he redeemed it, he expanded that dream, and he brought about salvation for all of us. And so here is the hope of today. It's that Jesus didn't stay in the tomb. He actually conquered death. The tomb was empty Easter morning. The two men knew that at this time they were talking to Jesus. They tell him about how some of the women that were following Jesus went to the tomb and the body wasn't there and that two angels were there and they told them, they told the, the ladies that, hey, that Jesus is alive. He's risen. They went back, told the disciples and the disciples didn't believe them to the point where Peter, uh, the lead disciple, ran to the tomb to check it out. And when he found the tomb empty, he was confused. He didn't automatically start believing. He was confused. And then after they tell Jesus this, Jesus replies, he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter this glory, his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And there's something you need to know about this book, the Bible, the Bible pinnacles at the story of Jesus. When you open your Bible to the left, the Old Testament, it all points to the coming Messiah. Then when you get into the New Testament, it's the story of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, dying for our sins, raising from the dead, and then the story of what happens with him and his followers. And so listening to this man talk about the scriptures concerning the Messiah, they are moved. Hope starts to be rekindled in their hearts. Verse 28, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. And I'll tell you, the key phrase in that passage is this, that their eyes were opened and they recognized, they saw Jesus. And it's right there that you read about the beginning of a new dream for them in their life, a God-sized dream that only shows up when we see Jesus. And I'll just tell you, that is my dream for you, that today your eyes would be opened that today you would see Jesus maybe for the first time for who he really is. And I'll tell you why that's my dream for you. It's because Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. The best decision I've ever made in my life was accepting Jesus and inviting him into my life. He has changed me in every way possible for the better. He's given me hope. He's given me a future. He's given me forgiveness. He's given me peace. 
He's given me clarity, direction for my life. And I know that he can and will do that for you today, if you'll let him. See, after this story, we just read over 500 people experienced and spent time with Jesus over a time span of 40 days. Eyewitnesses to a risen Jesus with nail holes in his wrists and in his feet and a wound in his side who ate with them, talked with them. And they were so impacted and their dream was expanded to not just saving Israel, but literally the whole world that 2,000 years later around the entire globe today, we celebrate the story of Jesus. The mission that God birthed in them, the dream that he gave them to save the whole world is still being carried out today because that's the kind of dreams that God has for us. And so through the power of the resurrection, God wants to give you a couple of things this morning. First off, it's this, freedom from your past. God wants to give you freedom from your past through the forgiveness of your sins. That's why Jesus went to the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and mine. Through the shedding of his innocent blood, he did it for you. It's already done, whether you believe it or not. It was already done. Your sins were already paid for. He offers forgiveness to anyone who calls on his name. And he doesn't want you to just experience freedom from your past. He also wants to give you something else. He wants, to, he wants you to expect a brighter tomorrow. He wants you to expect a brighter tomorrow. He wants you to dream of a better tomorrow. He wants you to live with hope in your heart. And it's kind of like our dog, Hank. He is the definition of hope. Uh, of, of hope. And I just want to give you a picture of Hank. This is our dog, Hank. This is Hank. Everybody say hi, Hank. Uh, I love it. My daughters think it's hilarious to put a handkerchief on Hank. Um, I don't. It's yellow. Ugh. But that's okay. Poor dog. He, I don't think he can see colors, so he doesn't care. But Hank has a dream every day. He lives with hope every day. You know what his hope is? Of going outside. He's a hunting dog. He loves to go outside and hunt. If you ever come over, he will come over and say hi to you, and he will bark and say he's happy that you're there, and then he will go to the door and wait to see if you are the human that will fulfill his dreams. And how he stands and waits, as you start walking to the door, he looks like this. He will put his nose right in the corner, and he will stand there until you do something. And if you don't, the look he gives you would bring tears to your eyes because he is so sad because you just dashed his dreams. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Every single day, Hank lives with hope. Dogs live with hope. Cats, on the other hand, <laughs> that's just entitlement right there, man. Like, don't give them anything. But dogs live with hope all day long. And I'll just tell you, Easter is all about hope. It's about a brighter tomorrow. It's about the hope of dreams coming true, of your dreams coming true, of God's dreams coming true. See, a lot of people, they think of hope. They think of hope and they think, oh, this is good vibes. It's, it's good feelings. But then the question comes, what happens when there aren't any good vibes anymore? What happens when the feelings aren't there anymore? What happens when a dream dies? It's hard to feel hopeful unless that hope is rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because that hope never dies. Peter, Jesus' lead disciple, writes in the New Testament in 1 Peter 1.3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great, what's that word? Expectation. Okay, I didn't quite hear all of you. Now we live with great 
expectation. Now we live with great expectation. Peter is saying, look, a Christian's hope, it's not just a feeling. It isn't just a vibe. Our hope is ultimately anchored in the resurrection of Jesus. It's because of what God did in history 2,000 years ago that we have hope today, even though we face difficulties and trials in life, which all of us face. And so Peter goes on. Now we live with great expectation and have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. See, the early followers of Jesus lived with a hope, a dream toward heaven. They understood that this wasn't all there is, that this life isn't all there is. There is life beyond death. This wasn't the end. The hope of heaven, when you look at the Bible, the dream for a follower of Jesus is a place where there is no more pain, no more crying, no more suffering. It is the opposite of being a Detroit Lions football fan. The opposite of that. That's the hope of heaven. No more difficulty, no more loss. Being reunited with loved ones that have gone before you, no more shoulder pain, knee pain, back pain, physical pain. It's not this picture that many of us have of floating around in clouds, wearing togas, playing harps, watching babies with wings and diapers fly around and singing songs to each other all day long for the rest of eternity. And I'll just tell you, who wants to go do that? Maybe some of you, but there's prayer afterwards for you. <laughs> but I got to tell you, heavens is, it's an actual place. It's called a new heaven and a new earth where there's meaningful work to do passionate things to engage in and the best part of heaven is that God himself will be there that's the hope that's the dream with Jesus we can expect a brighter tomorrow the late Billy Graham one of the greatest evangelists of our time he he had a saying about the hope of heaven um, he borrowed it from one of his mentors he said he said someday you will hear that Billy Graham is dead don't you believe it? Because I will be more alive than I am now. I will have transferred into the presence of God. Scripture is full of hope. Following Jesus is full of hope. Easter reminds us that even in death, there is hope of life again, a dream of heaven for all who believe. Peter goes on in verse 5, and through your faith, God has protected you by his power until you receive his salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Any of you experience, experiencing being truly glad right now, wonderful joy? That's what God wants to give you today. That's the promise of God and the dream for anyone who believes in Jesus. So be glad, experience wonderful joy and hope. And the question I think God has for some of us in the room, maybe many of us in the room, is do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus was who he said he was? Do you believe that Jesus can call you out of death and into life and out of darkness and into light, out of small-minded, self-focused dreams to a God-sized adventure that is worth your entire life? God tells us in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Can God do that? I absolutely believe he can, and I know he can. 
if you'll open your mind and your heart to him. And so I, wanna, I want you to hear a story of a man who literally went from being an atheist to having an experience at a Kensington church in Orion, Michigan. And God opened his eyes. And I want you to hear his story and see for yourselves what might happen in your life today. And before we do that, we're going to receive our offering right now based on how we want to end the service. So ushers, if you guys can come forward. And let me just tell you this, if you're new or you're visiting, um, this is the one moment of this service that isn't for you. Let the basket go by. We're not interested in your money. We are just grateful that you're here. Next week's 20 bucks. Okay, I'm just kidding, just joking. <laughs> uh, just a joke. Uh, but for those of you that call Kensington home, this really is the moment where we say thank you to God. Thank you for what you've given to me. I'm going to give back to you out of the blessing that you've offered me. And it's a way of us believing in the hope of Jesus to take care of our needs. And so for those of you that do that, thank you so much. Those of you that give online, thank you so much. And then while we're finishing doing that, I want you to hear the story of David Ayers and his incredible journey to faith. Why believe in something that's made up? Why have this thing called faith? What's the point of that? You can survive just fine without it. You don't need it. Why believe in it? But I remember the day that I sent the email to my mother and my brothers, and I just remember telling them I'm an atheist. church at all. I remember mostly with my mother and father before they were divorced. We would sometimes go. I, I just always felt uncomfortable. As I got older, it got worse even. I started asking really tough questions of religion in general. The hardest thing for me was I always demanded proof. Is there evidence? And I used to think of all the religions throughout history and how people have always made up religions. Why is this one right? Why is this one true? Why is this the one? I remember the day that I sent the email to my mother and my brothers, and I just remember telling them, I'm an atheist. I realize I'm an atheist. And here's why. And I listed out some reasons. They were just kind of like, look, you can still be a, a thinker, a quote unquote thinker, and research things and look for facts and look through history. And you can still be a Christian, is what they told me. I didn't agree with them on that. Why have this thing called faith? What's the point of that? You can have faith in anything. You can have faith in the magical space chicken up in the sky that made everything. I've had uh, some friends, one of them that I used to work with, her name's Lori. We would have conversations, nice conversations, because at this point I realized how rude I kind of can be in that regard. But she told me about Kensington, and I, I've also read articles about how children can benefit greatly from Christianity and I knew there were some good lessons, like the Ten Commandments are good, I think. I thought maybe I should expose them to Christianity. 
some of these, these things I've read and talking with people like Lori. We had a car situation where um, one morning a car was getting repaired, so we only were down to one vehicle. He took an Uber ride with uh, Joe. Joe, and it said that Joe was a good conversationalist. And he happens to go to Kensington, Orion. Orion. Orion, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he happens to go to Kensington, Orion. I just told him that I'm an atheist, but I've been reading a lot about how healthy it is for children to be exposed to Christianity, and my wife's a Christian and wants to go, and he wasn't telling me to go or not to go necessarily. He, he said, you know, you, you should give it a try. You know, after the ride, it was about an hour ride, so we had some really good discussions, and he said, you know, good luck on your journey, and that's kind of where, <laughs> where it started. I was determined to hate it, no matter what happens, like every other time I've been to church. And I thought, well, let's give it a shot. I can suffer for an hour. The music started playing, and I started feeling, I mean, it really hit me. This music was just awesome. You know, I looked over at my wife, and <laughs> she's crying, and I started tearing up, and I don't know why. I just, and I, so I started fighting it. I started thinking, you know, a million thoughts in my head. Here I am, an atheist at church, expecting to hate it and to mock it in my own head. And here I am, tearing up at the music and being filled with this amazing feeling. And I'm thinking to myself, this isn't me. What's going on? This is not me. Part of me wanted to just run out and leave, but part of me couldn't move, really. And it feels silly saying this, because not too long ago, I would totally be making fun of me right now. When the sermon started, the topic was about work. I was having a hard time at work at the time, and it really helped me and lifted me up. And then, of course, that darn music played again at the end. I finally let go just let that good feeling take over. I felt like, <laughs> I felt like he shook me and said, you've been, you've been kind of stupid. <laughs> I know God wouldn't say stupid, <laughs> but gently shaking me and saying, I'm here. It's amazing how one day like that can change you. And it was probably, <laughs> besides my kids being born, the best day I've ever had. The conversation with Lori, as well as the Uber ride with Joe, <laughs> I, I, I think it was connected in some way. I see that now. God had a hand in a lot of things that before, I didn't understand, I didn't notice, I didn't see. I know the words born again are used by a lot of Christians, and I never understood that until what happened to me happened to me. I feel, I feel like I've got a new life now. I'm not, I mean, I'm not like I used to be, and I just all of a sudden changed. It's crazy. I mean, in a good way, it's a miracle. <laughs> it's miraculous, it really is. 
I just feel like we're a little more grounded as a couple than we were before. Definitely with David's heart being more open, it's really improved a lot for us. I really, truly didn't think this would happen. I didn't think that David would change his mind from being an atheist. The journey I'm on now is learning as much as I can because, you know, I'm a fact-based person. I want to know the facts. I want, I want evidence. I want that sort of thing, and I'm, I'm finding it now. And now that I've got faith, it's like all these doors open that were closed before that I didn't even know were there. To anyone out there that has any fear or doubts and that maybe this is your first service, all I can tell you is to have an open mind and an open heart. You know, try not to fight it. Try to take it all in if you can. And it might be difficult, but I would definitely say, you know, hang on for the ride because it's a great one. <laughs>
to becoming someone who's living out the dreams that God has had for you all along. See, the Bible says that if you will confess with your tongue and believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead, that you will be saved. It is that simple. Saved from the weight and the sorrow of your past and saved from an eternity apart from God. Confess with your tongue that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you will be saved. And so I want to give some of you the opportunity to do that right now by reaching out to God and asking him to move and work in you in a brand new way. And so I want to invite everybody in the room, would you bow your head and close your eyes with me right this moment? And if you want to become a follower of Jesus today I want to, and open your heart to him, I want to ask you to repeat a prayer that I'm going to say. And there's nothing... Um, specific about the words other than that they come from your heart to God's and so if today is your day and you feel that nudge in your soul and you're ready to accept Jesus you can just kind of borrow my words and say dear God thank you for loving me thank you for sending Jesus into the world I believe he died on the cross for my sins believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges of my past and give me new dreams for my future. I surrender my life to you in Christ's name. And then with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask you if you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to just slip your hand into the air real quick and you can put it back down. Just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. If you're going to follow God with the rest of your life, just slip your hand in the air and say, just saying, starting today, I'm going to follow God for the first time in my life. Thank you. Thank you. God, I want to thank you for your love. Thank you for each person reaching out to you, and I pray that you will fill them with your mercy and your kindness. Fill them with your spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, self-control. And God, may they walk with you and experience a new future, new expectations, a new hope, and a new dream for their life. God, thank you for the resurrection and for Easter and for what it has meant in our lives, in our families' lives, and all over the world for over 2,000 years. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise in Christ's name.